Dylan Dillagap with uh, Tickle Me Comedy Podcast. We're so glad that you're with us tonight. This is going to be an incredibly special show. Um, but before we get started, I need to do some administrative things. We need to say thanks to our sponsors, Tickle Me Comedy and the Blue Zone Comedy Tour. Uh, they've been hosts uh, in, in all of our podcasts, and this is number 16. So hopefully you're enjoying them so far and you'll continue watching. But like I said, tonight is a really awesome night. We have a special guest who's... Um, I can't even do his credits. He's, he's just got so many of them. I'm going to let him do them himself. Um, but uh, with us tonight is uh, Greg Dow, and uh, uh, Greg is an amazing guy. You'll, you'll have a thoroughly good time tonight. So with that, let me introduce Greg Dow. Hey, Greg. Hey, how's it going, Dylan? Thanks for having me out. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Yeah, I think it's funny. You're like, he's got so many credits, I can't even listen to them all. It's because they called me 20 minutes before because the other guest dropped out. I've done more podcasts that way. But yeah, I'll share my credits. We'll, we'll tell some stories along the way okay. here. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll brag about myself a little all right, bit. Why don't you so. do that? Give us uh, some highlights of some of the great things you've done. Well, my name is Greg Dow. I currently am in Las Vegas, and up until the crazy time started happening, uh, professional magician, comedian, entertainer. Uh, I had a couple shows that, you know, knock on wood, are coming back once the world gets back to normal. Uh, at a couple of the resorts in town, and then I would do close-up magic at events, uh, you know, trade shows, private parties, things like that. And, yeah, I got a lot of stories of how I got there, too. I used to run all the magic shops in town, and really? before I did that, I came from Chicago. So, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Oh, how cool is that? So, how long have you been doing this? Well, like 10 minutes, I think. I mean, you guys just let me in. Um, now, I'm on and off, I did magic ever since college. Professionally, I didn't do it until I got to Vegas. So when I grew up in Chicago, I kind of always thought I had to have a real job. You know, I, I grew up, my dad was an accountant. My mom did people's taxes. Two very, very awesome people, by the way. I mean, I had great parents. I, I cannot discount anything about my parents at all they were very very supportive but you grow up in a family like that you're like okay i should become a school teacher some some responsible position yeah and that's what i did i started to become a school teacher did you really? yeah yeah me around children that that was a great idea i'm not sure who approved that but um so yeah i, I went to college went to learn how to become a public school teacher and as i was doing that I kind of got into magic on the side and you know everybody has that story like, oh how'd you get into magic and I got a magic set when I was nine years old and it opened up my mind and I had I got a magic set when I was nine years old it was the most confusing thing I ever saw I think I tried to do two tricks put it aside and played Nintendo I mean yeah it, it didn't work so it wasn't until I got to uh, junior college and I found a magic trick that I liked at a store. It was like three bucks. I'm like, I'm going to buy this. And then I showed it to a girl I liked, and she freaked out. And I went, huh, I don't have the patience to learn how to play guitar. I can grow the hair for it, but I don't have the patience. What else can I do? And so I learned card tricks. And so I did card tricks on the side while I worked regular jobs for a while and then moved out to Vegas and kind of from there. From there. So you said you managed all the, the, the Houdini magic shops? Yep. So in so in Vegas, if you if you come to Vegas, which you should when you can, when it's right, I won't make any other comments than that, but when you come to Vegas, 
in some of the major casinos, you're going to see uh, big signs, Houdini's Magic Shop. They're the number one magic retailer. So they, they actually have a little chain of shops around Las Vegas. And when I came out here, there was no real internet. There was no mass magician exposing things. So people coming to a magic shop, that was, that was amazing. They had to buy stuff. And we did so I went and worked for them. I'm like, well, I need a job when I get to Vegas. And I saw a sign that said magicians needing hiring. And I went, well, I could do that. So I did that for about 10 years. Brilliant. Worked for them, ended up running most of the stores in the company for a little while. And then um, out at Disneyland, there was a magic shop inside Disneyland that Disney owned but didn't really know how to run. They had like Rubik's Cubes and things like that. So they invited Houdini's in, which is known as an operational partner. And then you run a store like you're a Disney employee, but it's actually outside employees. So uh, I trained all the people how to do magic. And so if you go to Disneyland and you see a magician out there, there's a good chance the trick they're showing you, it was my script that they wrote. And if you go to Disneyland, and you go to the magic shop, look straight up, and you can find my hidden Mickey. I put one inside of Disneyland. I've said, if I'm going to work in this, I'm going to do something here. So on the ceiling, there's an ace of clubs where the little tail part of the club had been whited out, and it's just the three circles, and that's my hidden Mickey. So well, you're challenge. welcome, all you geeks out there. I know at least 12 of you are going to go find it right now. Yeah, and I love each of you. I like that, yeah. So so let's talk about some of the, the TV credits that you've done. I, I know you've done a number of shows. Uh, I've, done, I've done a few shows uh i want to talk about a few more of them later when we get to the second half uh but i the the tv shows i've been on the one that got the most national attention for me personally was a show called wizard wars uh it was on sci-fi for a while it was actually penn and teller's first tv show before they had the one that they're currently filming which is known as fool us uh, if you haven't seen their TV show now, you have to try to trick Penn and Teller with your own magic tricks, and right. I'll talk about that one in the second half of the show a little bit more. Sure. But before that, they had a show called Wizard Wars, and it was like Iron Chef for Magicians. So they gave you everyday objects, and you had to come up with magic tricks to do with the objects they gave you. Like on our episode, I, so I was partnered up with another magician in town, um, his name is uh, Sean Scott, and if you happen to go down to Fremont Street, back when Fremont Street uh, has the good street, once the good street performers come back, he's one of the best ones down there. And so they paired us up together, and we had to come up with magic tricks with tennis rackets, uh, let's see, tennis rackets, tennis balls, tiki torches, and a mouse. We had to come up with an entire routine to then beat another team with and try to get $15,000 and all that. that. That was a fun show. In fact, I believe mine is still the number one rated episode on IMDb. If you go look that up, Wizard Wars IMDb, I believe mine is a 9.6. And Nathan Fans is at a 9.5. So I know he's not listening. But if you meet a guy named Nathan Fan, tell him my episode was better. So, so how long do they give you to come up with a magic trick? In real life or in TV time? <laughs> TV time they heavily imply they give you like an hour or a couple hours. In real life, we had a few days. We we you, I, I'm not gonna break all of the reality show walls for people here, but not everything that happens on a reality show is real. 
What? I know. Does that mean like the Kardashians aren't real? <laughs> uh, well, I think 70% of them isn't real at this point. I'm not sure when you cross that threshold yeah, so, of uh, replacement parts. That's but yeah. funny. So, okay, so you, then you competed. You guys came up with some magic tricks. Came up with some magic tricks. And you, you have people helping you out. We actually had um, illusion builders that have worked with David Copperfield backstage. Whenever you do a show like that, there's always people backstage that are there to make you look good. So we worked with a crew. Uh, there's a magician in town named Bizarro, who I work with quite a bit. And he was actually our magic consultant on the show, so we came up with other things that we could do. And it was it was pretty cool. Our, our clip was featured when they were pimping out the entire show, and they would go on to the late-night talk shows. Our clip from our episode was what they would show on the late night talk shows. So, so I have a Drew Carey quote now that I never thought I was going to get. That was kind of nice. What's that? I think it was wow. But I'll take it. I'll take wow. That's, uh, that's, that's Well, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. That, yeah, I'll take wow. I can Outside. add the exclamation point. It, it counts. Okay. So then, and I know you've done some other things. I, I wanted to talk about the Penn and Teller thing. I really think that's pretty amazing. I've watched it several times. Mm -hmm. It's on the CW here in Vegas. Yep. But... Um, I don't know if you're somewhere else where it would be, but it's called uh, Pin and Teller Fool Me? Fool Us. Fool Us. Fool us. Uh, it actually started in England. Mm -hmm. And so it's on BBC 3 or 5. I don't know. If you're international viewers, you will know. If you're a fan, you'll find it. Uh, it is an international. A lot of that stuff goes international. So give us a kind of set up how it, kind of what the format is. I know that they... they so basically that show... Um, and Penn has actually said this himself in interviews. And so has Teller, but you don't see as many Teller interviews as you do Penn interviews. Uh, they wanted to put good magic on TV, but there wasn't really a demand for a variety show. And that's what they really want to do is showcase magicians they liked. So they put the competition angle in to trick the network into thinking that it was a competition show as opposed to just, hey, let's get our friends on TV kind of show. So the trick is you are trying to fool Penn & Teller with your own magic trick, something you performed, something you came up with. And if you fool them, you get a trophy. If you don't fool them, they usually still say very nice things about you. And, uh, and they give you like 1500 bucks in a hotel room. And um, yeah, you get yeah. some really good TV out of it. Okay, so then you, so the times I've watched it, they sit there on a couch and um, they don't really say anything until you're done. Right. And then they spend a few minutes talking amongst themselves, and then they come and give you a critique. And, and uh, the couple times that I've watched the show, it's the, the people that they like, they really like. And the people they don't like, they still, like you said, they say nice things, and they give them some suggestions. It's pretty cool. So. I, I, I've got some... I've got some stories that I'll, I'll remain some people nameless. Uh, we'll, we'll just protect some identities. But yeah, when you're on the show, their goal is to make you look good. They're, they, I mean, it's still live. It's one of my, probably my favorite format for a magic show because what you're seeing on that show is what really happened. Um, other TV shows whose names I won't mention, but I believe their initials are AGT, um, they will sometimes re-edit heavily things that have happened during their filming. They've been known to re-edit entire judges' critiques on acts that you know, oh yeah, there's there's quite a bit that can happen behind the scenes of AGT. And you can tell by me saying all this, I wasn't on AGT this season, so you don't have to worry about turning into that one if you're not. Yeah, have you done it? Have you auditioned? You know, I I have had a couple interactions with AGT's weird. A, they are. Uh, so when when you get 
well, what's the right way to put it? When you do well on AGT, let's say you make it to the semifinals, the contract they hand you is like this thick. There is so much in there that NBC has the right to basically control your career for the next five years. Um, I know people who've had to turn down cruise ship contracts because it was a Disney cruise ship and Disney was owned by ABC and they didn't want the magician who was really good on America's Got Talent, which is not owned by ABC, to be on a Disney cruise ship. So I know guys that have had to turn down gigs. I, I know guys that had been made promises. I'm, I'm, but I'm not here to trash AGT. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of control that I don't personally like because I don't work for one person. I don't have my own show on the strip. I might work for 200 companies in a year. I might want to do a comedy show over at one of the adult nightclubs in town, and maybe AGT doesn't want that. So and you don't want to be limited and restricted. I can see yeah. That. So and it's it, it's a tough it's a tough thing to think about because if you do well on the show, though, it can definitely have oh a God. giant boost to your Absolutely. career. But if you do okay on the show, or you're not one of their favorites on the show, it can actually be embarrassing to have been on the show. I know guys that basically almost retired because of what happened on them going on the show. In fact, there's a, a magician I know in town who was very good on Fremont Street, did AGT. He was he created this act. He worked on it for weeks. He thought they were going to take him seriously, and he was one of the acts they basically made fun of, oh. which that, I mean, he's gone on and he's actually doing something very cool in Vegas and he was getting ready to retire out of magic anyway, but he thought maybe this could be his last kind of, and it, you know. Funny story, I, uh, first year I started doing comedy, somebody who will remain nameless decided that I should audition for America's Got Talent. So I did, it was a, it's an all day event. Oh, it can be. And I thought I was, I thought I had it made because they did a pre-video of me. Hmm. They, uh, they wanted to videotape me coming into the room going, wow, this is amazing, thinking that I might go farther than I went. So I went through the audition. They give you 90 seconds, and you're doing your whole routine in front of one producer. Mm -hmm. And all you hear at the end is, well, after your 90 seconds, is, um, we'll call you. And I'm still waiting. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can top that one. They, uh, I, I've, I've, I've auditioned twice and I'll put the audition here because the first time was right when I moved to Vegas so I was told by the agency that sent me that I had a VIP audition call now I will be bluntly honest I was not ready to be on the show at that point either I kind of sucked I, I I don't think I, I'm I hopefully yeah. minorly better now but I kind of sucked that. but you know what you want to go out and it was it was more I was good at magic but I hadn't really gotten into the comedy yet right. so the character wasn't quite there and so I did the cap. I was supposed to have a VIP. They're going to cut us in the line. I waited nine and a half hours. It's a, it's a grueling day. It's a grueling day. Oh so then I get a call from producers, and this is after I've been on a couple other TV shows, and they brought me out. Well, they didn't bring me out. I went out to uh, Phoenix. So I actually drove out to Phoenix, but it was I had a scheduled audition time. Really? They got in, did my schedule, talked to the producers, had talks and everything. They filmed me for an hour and a half of interviews, background, all that stuff, and we'll call you. Still waiting? Still waiting. Yeah. So, oh, but this is what's great. They used my backstage stuff on that season. Did they? Really? Yeah, they did. So they did it to show the kind of characters that can be on the show. Uh, 
and then didn't actually use. So, but they didn't demean you or talk bad about you, or you know, they used me for I think fifteen seconds at a yeah. time. It, it was all little like little clips, and uh, one of them I was talking to an insanely crazy woman. It was great. Uh, so I think they used it for the comedy from that. From so, that, yeah. so technically, I have an AGT credit, but I, I, it's not one I brag about. Well, I'm gonna. I, so I, I'm a few years into the comedy thing now, and, I, and as you, I, I think I might have improved a little bit. I think I'm gonna go try it again. I. Uh, I've kind of refined. I think I have uh, a good amount of stuff that uh, that may be a little bit better this time. We'll see. But I think I think it's a great a great launching pad. Um, there have been some amazing things. Tom Cotter, the comedian, oh, yeah. that lost to the dog act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I was sitting having drinks with him one night, and he's just an unassuming guy, and he's a great guy. So. His career got launched. A lot of people's career. Tape Mouth, for example. Tape Face. Tape Face. He's Puff the Magic Dragon. Piff, Piff, uh, Piff the Magic Dragon. Yeah, I'm, I'm on it tonight with the right names. There you go. That's what that's what I'm here for. I've actually hung out with uh, both of them. And uh, one of them I would hang out with again. <laughs> and his little dog. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's a great launching pad. Um, I didn't realize there was all the stuff happening in the background. But still, I mean... It's entertaining. Well, they, I mean, it's a TV show. Like, you know what? One of my things, and we'll get into this a little bit later, too, is one of my favorite things growing up was professional wrestling. And it still is to this day. And everybody's like, oh, wrestling's fake. Wrestling's this. That's everything in TV. Like, everything you see on America's Got Talent, they're producing a show. They will pretend they pulled a homeless kid out of a dumpster that has the voice of an angel, and then it turns out that kid's been taking vocal lessons for 20 years and is now a 20-year-old kid somehow. Um, Wait a minute. I got to stop you there for a second. (laughs) Wrestling. So when I was 10 years old, I used to go to my grandfather's house in California, and it was a Friday night, and Friday night ritual was watching wrestling. He called it wrestling. Yep, that, that was the good old days. A guy named Pencil Neck Stevens. Yep, yep. Um, so at 10 years old, I said, Gramps, this is fake. Go, oh, no, it's not. It's real. This is real wrestling right here. <laughs> I go, okay, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was entertaining. It, oh, it was great. It, it, yeah, Vince Vince McMahon pretty much changed all that. You know, it's funny. The main There was the main reason that wrestling is the one of the worst-kept secrets in the world now is because during the steroid trials – Vince McMahon had to basically attest in front of Congress that because it's not an actual competition sport, it wasn't violating the laws, so they shouldn't be in as much trouble. So Vince basically, to not go to jail, said, oh, yeah, by the way, we, we, we kind of tell everybody what to do. Oh, yeah. but, but that being said, I have, you know, there is nothing fake about wrestling. Wrestling is prearranged, but holy cow, I've worked with a lot of these guys who are some of the best athletes I've Incredible. ever seen in my life. Just you do do a gym workout with an actual good professional wrestler, and then come back and tell me they're not real athletes. Oh, he kicked my butt. Oh man, you see those guys fly through the air and, and bounce off other people, and they have to be in great shape to do that. You know what? You got you got keeping up with the Kardashians. You got WWE Raw. That's it's really the same thing when you get when you get down to it. It's people wearing silly costumes, doing silly things for silly reasons, and we all have that little part of our soul that just needs to have that stupid yeah. soap opera or whatever you want to call it. And it's, I call it, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, mindless entertainment, basically. You don't have to think. You, you don't have to think. think. Yeah, you exactly. sit there and watch it. It's entertainment. It's kind of fun, right? Exactly. You can come to my house on Saturday nights and see the fights. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday night. 
Brand pans are flying. Exactly. Going through a couple tables, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Grandma hits you with a trash can. It's all good. So have you, have you, you, you mentioned cruise ships earlier. Have you done cruise ships? Never done cruise ships. Uh, that's probably the thing that's hurt me the most during the crazy times, the shutdown Vegas, is most of my work was in Vegas, and I didn't have to try too hard. To, I, I had enough network set up that I was doing two regular, actually three regular shows, um, a week I basically had my two of my own shows and then one little I featured in a comedy show I had two days of doing close-up magic at one of the resorts in town and then I would get gigs from people who were flying in all the convention work uh, which this is this is a fun story. yeah that was um, my last convention day on the day before Vegas shut down I was working at a Chinese bulldozer factory booth. <laughs> that that was a very comfortable trade show uh, that was just Holy cow. I, I think I went through so much hand sanitizer that day. I'm the one who caused the shortage. So it was me. Yeah. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, Chinese bulldozer company? Chinese bulldozer here, company. Here in Vegas? Uh, well, no. They're from China, but they brought... The, it was the big... So Vegas has a big construction trade show every year. If you're down by Circus Circus, you'll see tons of giant cranes. And that's where I actually was because they had a couple of their bulldozers on display. And they sell parts and things that are compatible with certain John Deere ones and they, they've got tractor, brand new tractors coming out that have things I couldn't tell you about because I'm a magician, not a tractor guy. But I, anytime I do a trade show, I always learn what that company does and I am the smartest guy to talk to for five minutes because I, after, after that five minutes, I can't tell you another word. That's when I've grabbed a salesman and brought it over after I've hooked them with the magic tricks. But yeah, so I never had to, for the past, I don't know, recent memory for me I haven't had to try hard to get work I'd get in this through an agent and then this would come in and then my regular shows would keep me afloat and now Vegas is not having any of that so that yeah that yeah. that's probably the the part so I, I never looked into cruise ships I never looked into I would do some traveling for certain clients that were really good I, I'd go to LA quite a bit I did something in New York I did something in DC um, but I never had to go out and do it because I could come home every night. And my cruise ship friends, you know, they're gone for two weeks at a time. If, they're, if they've got a great contract, they'll fly from one ship to another to another, and they could be gone three months at a time. And that's a great lifestyle too, but I can come home. I don't have to have anybody watch my cats. I, I can do whatever. I, so it, it was almost like having the benefits of that nine to five job, but performing full time where I didn't have to live on the cruise ship. So. Yeah. So once, uh, once that industry comes back, though, any cruise ship bookers out there that are looking for acts, I've got time on my hands. Yeah, as the audience knows, that's, one of my, that's on my bucket list is to do a cruise ship. Yeah. I just, uh, last year I did my 60th cruise. Oh, okay. And so it's like uh, every time I get on a cruise ship, I always try to figure out a way to get to the cruise director and go, you guys doing comedy? And so, but, um, so you're talking about living on the cruise ship. I have a friend, and I'm sitting here, I haven't seen him. In fact, he passed away a few years ago, and I can't remember his last name. But he used to be a professional magician. In fact, he was one of the founding people of the Magic uh, Castle. Okay. And um, so he, uh, he he would tell me stories of, of being on a cruise ship, and he had a duck that was in his act. And so the duck would live in the bathtub on okay. the cruise ship, and he had an assistant. Her name was Flame, and he did a lot of magic with, with fire and flame. Okay. But, um, I, I can't remember his last name, but he was very good. And so uh, one of the highlights is that one night he invited us to meet him at the Magic Castle. Okay. And we had VIP seating, and it was just 
an incredibly awesome experience. Oh, the castle! Have you been there? I I have got to perform there. Really? Yeah. Um, oh, that's it. That's the it was three years ago now. I did two two Halloween seasons in a row. So when the castle does Halloween, they decorate up the castle. They uh, do different acts. They they really try to bring in a special feeling for the Halloween season. And Bizarro, who I mentioned, who another magician in Vegas, worked on a ton of TV shows. Uh, somebody I've done a lot of shows with. Very really really talented guy. Uh, him and I got to do a sixty minute show in the Peller Theater, which is their basement theater. It's the one that you can get away with a little bit more and. And considering most of the other shows in the castle are 15 minutes here, 12 minutes here, I think the full stage show was 45 minutes. Like, we actually had the longest show. Really? Of the Halloween. Yeah, so that was great. And because it was Halloween season, usually when you do the castle, you work for a week. Uh, they bring you in on Sunday, and you go until Saturday, and they bring the next act in, so on and so forth. And they were doing it special with Halloween, so our run was extended three days, so it would last all the way through the actual Halloween day. So we did a 10 and an 11 day run, which was, yeah, it was so much fun. Oh, how cool. Oh, that, the audiences at the castle. They, oh, yeah. you, so for those that don't know, by the way, and here we are talking for like know. three people on the West Coast. Uh, those that don't watch Magic or don't, there's a place in Hollywood called the Magic Castle. Uh, I couldn't tell you exactly when it was created. It was somewhere around the 50s or 60s. Yeah, um, 60s. 60s. And it was basically a big clubhouse for all the entertainers at the time because a lot of people in Hollywood in the 70s were magicians. Johnny Carson, Dom DeLuise, all, all, a lot of the names you knew either did magic or loved magic. So it was a place celebrities could come. If you performed there, it was a huge honor and everything. Now they let me in, so obviously that's gone way out of the way now. Actually, it's, it's mecca for, for magicians. It's, it, it was on my bucket list. Yeah. It absolutely, well, this was what was great. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about Shocker, who, um, well, he, he's somebody I work with. He's the one who always gets on TV. He's the one who was on Fool Us, so he'll tell you a little more about that and some of the other TV shows. But it was Bizarro and Shocker that were the performers there. And Shocker was told by a magician that he respected that he would never get... Well, actually, no. Let's, let's phrase it perfectly proper. I was told I would never perform at the Magic Castle. And then I got into the Magic Castle with a character that was told that would never be into the Magic Castle. And I got recommended by the amazing Jonathan to be there, who was one of my idols growing oh, up. Yeah, and oh. so, yeah, everything about my castle run, that was my bucket list. What like, if, happened to the amazing Jonathan? Oh, he's still around. He, he's, he's hiding. He's, the dude's got so many pre-existing conditions and whatever. Like, he is, for whatever the high-risk category is right now, they just put a picture of him. There like, you. right there at the top. Google, so you'll see his picture. Yeah, yeah, no, Jonathan, Jonathan, uh, had, he had some problems, um, he ended up getting some stem cell, thing. he was not supposed to be with us anymore uh, five years ago, really? I think five, five to seven years ago the doctors told him he had a year left, really? um, and well there's some really good documentaries out there, if you want to know why to tell your kids not to do meth, watch the amazing Jonathan documentary, they actually talk quite a bit about that in there, so yeah, he was... He was always chemically enhanced uh, a lot, and you know that takes its toll. And so he has heart conditions and a bunch of other problems. Uh, and, well, I don't know because then you watch Breaking Bad and it looks so good and it's tasty. And I want to be like Jesse Pinkman. I want to call yeah. anybody bitch I want anytime. So maybe meth's okay. Who knows? Oh, who yeah. who really knows at this point? Yeah, he was always one of my one of my favorites. He, he uh, when he put his head in the bucket, 
Yeah, that was hilarious. Oh. And then he'd take the he'd take the bucket off, and he would just have a head shaped like a bucket. Yeah. He, if you don't know who Amazing Jonathan is, Google him. You will. Well, they just released a documentary on him. I want to say it was on Hulu. Could be wrong. Um, it, it look it up. It actually went to Cannes, got awards uh, because Jonathan is screwing with the documentary as the documentary is filmed. Jonathan is the biggest prankster. You know, he was famous for doing pranks. His house has pranks set up everywhere in there. It, oh yeah, he's got, he had a, he has a picture of a cow next to his bar and he would go, hey, I need some uh, cream for my coffee and he'd hold up the cow and it would squirt milk into it. Uh, there, he's got a Bride of Chucky doll signed in a case and when people go to look at it, it basically comes to life and jumps at them. And yeah, Jonathan, best prankster in the world. And so he screws with the documentary crew during the documentary. And it, it, it's pretty surreal. It's great. Watch the documentary. Get your subscription services. Yep. Tell him I sent you because he thinks yeah. I, you know, I don't yeah. talk about him. Thinks you like him. Thinks I like him or something. Yeah. And yeah, something like he was one of my idols growing up. Like he was, he was so good. So amazing, Jonathan. Check out the videos too. Some might not be as politically correct these days, uh, but you know, they were, it was the '90s. Take that with a grain of salt when you watch it. Oh, that's a great story. I love that. Jonathan is has always been one of my faves. So um, I know that that you're running short on time. Yep, I got I got places to be, people to see, and uh, hands to wash. Hands to wash. Money to make, things to see, stuff to steal, right? <laughs> but, you know, this has been absolutely amazing. I know that we've worked together before a couple we have, times. Yeah. I've never had an opportunity to sit and talk with you. Um, absolutely, uh, absolutely amazing. I, I, um, you inspire me because, you know, I've done, some, I've done some close-up magic myself. I've done stupid stuff, you know, where you, you throw the, show, the shoe over people's heads. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, I've done that. I, I used to be, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So I used to work for the government, and I wound up being the guy that hosted all of the all the luncheons. Okay. So I would do some really stupid magic sh- tricks. Like one time I was working at a naval shipyard, and I did, you know where you pull the bra out of the shirt? Oh, yeah. yeah. I did that to the commander of the base. Everybody. And then I pulled out his underwear, and there was a big, he was only a captain, and on this underwear was a big admiral star. And people ah. just absolutely roared. It was fun. <laughs> so so you, you, you kind of uh, kind of brought back my... Uh, for you know, let's, let's do one fast one too. I was, oh, thinking, okay. I was thinking about this. Let's do one quick one because you, you know what? I haven't done any magic, so I got okay. time for one. All right. Let me uh, let me go into my my toy box. All right, here we go. I'll, I'll make it nice and simple. So a lot of guys, a lot of guys do card tricks. They have you uh, reach in the deck, take a card out. They tell you what card you took. Too easy. Chris Angel does that. I got better hair. You know I do, Chris. Don't you even say anything about it. He does better makeup, though. All right, so. And he can fly. He can fly. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have you pick a card. We're just going to get, we're going to think of a card. Uh, all right, so I'm going to talk to some people off camera here. Uh, this young lady over there whose name I don't remember, it is Sammy. Sammy, you're going to make the first important decision. We have... Red cards in a deck, we have black cards in a deck. Which one do you want to use? So whichever one you say is what we're going to go with. Uh, do you want the red cards or the black cards? Red. red cards. So the hearts and diamonds. So it's going to be a heart or a diamond, not a club or a spade, correct? Just say yes. It makes the trick go quicker. Good. Uh, this guy right here, what is your name? Malaysia. 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 Okay. So in the red cards, there are hearts and there are diamonds. Which one do you want to use? Whichever one you say is going to be the one we use. Whichever one you don't. We're getting rid of hearts or diamonds? 
heart. So we're not going to use a diamond. The card's going to be a heart. Now you get the final choice here, Dylan. There are 13 hearts in a deck. Ace, three, three, four, five, all the way up to king. I want you to name one card, one of those, one of the numbers in a deck. Nine. Nine. So we got the nine uh, the red nine of hearts, correct, everybody? Yep. Now, we did not do this ahead of time, right? Nope. There's no way we could have because, like I said, they called me like 15 minutes okay. before this thing happened. I'm the spare guest. So in that deck of cards, there is one. All I'm going to do, all right, here we go. That's it. That's the move. That takes every card in the deck and turns it upside down except for one. Somewhere in the deck, there's going to be one card that stayed upside down. It's the only upside down card in the deck. How crazy would that be? You didn't know. You said hearts. No, I'm sorry. You said red. You said hearts. You said nine. If that card is the nine of hearts, that would blow your mind, wouldn't it? That would have been cool. <laughs> Go ahead. Pull that one out. Uh-oh. Show them. Oh, my gosh. Nine. Oh, oh. GregDow.com, G-R-E-G-D-O-W.com. I have plenty of time on my hands when the world is safe. I will perform magic wherever you bring me. Oh my gosh, that was absolutely amazing. So, I, you know, Greg was a great interview. I had a great time with him. If you get a chance, go see him. So on behalf of, uh, of uh, Tickle Me Comedy Club and Blue Zone, we're gonna be on break for a little bit. We're gonna eat some pizza. Uh, talk with uh, Greg a little bit more. We'll be back, so thanks everybody.